One Custom Car Care. All right, good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Miss Sarah, how is this uh, fall slash very cold weather that we kind of got a little abruptly sprung on us? How's it it treating you? I love me some fall, Mm -hmm. and I actually, right out of the gate, have a couple of questions for you. What do you got? So, you know, deer season is among us. I love me some deer season. I know you do. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but I have noticed a lot more deers, Lion. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, tons on the side of the road. In fact, there was one just right by my mom's house, and Mm -hmm. it was a little, little deer. And I was thinking, oh, goodness, I hope those people's vehicles okay. Very much so. So have I ever told you what I do when I run up onto a deer in a car? No. And this is something I got from my dad. And I just thought everybody did it. And I did this with somebody, and I can't remember who was in the car with me, but they questioned me on it here very recently. So obviously I slow down. I don't swerve. I don't, you know, nothing like that. But I lay on the horn, not necessarily to scare the deer by no means, But in my mind, it's an audible reference point for the deer. And I don't know whether this is right, wrong, and different, but that's what my dad always did. And it always worked. I cannot remember him ever hitting a deer that I can recall. And so I still do that to this day. It's something that I just thought that everybody did. But it's to the point because normally you see one jump into the road And you think, oh, it's good. But usually there's two or three more. Right. And so I want the two or three more to scatter away from the noise, Yeah, I guess is my thought. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. What do you think? You think I'm crazy? No, I think that makes sense because actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. I had a couple of questions for you. One Mm -hmm. of them was uh, deer whistles. I know that a lot of people swear by them. They put them on their vehicles Mm -hmm. uh, and... I have never had them mm-hmm. before, and I'm thinking maybe I probably should because we live in like peak deer area. I bet you see them all the time. Constantly. In fact, I think it was like a year mm-hmm. ago then when I, uh, I hit one with my personal vehicle yep. and just completely tore up the entire front ah, portion of my car. But um, No fun. I was just kind of curious on your thought on deer whistles. Do you think they work? Do you think it's all kind of smoke and mirrors? Are they worth it? You know, I used to see them a lot more than I do now on customer cars. And you're right. Um, I've had them on some of my cars. Not that I bought them and put them on there, but I bought the car and they were on there. So I left them. I don't think anything hurts. Even loud exhaust. I think, you know, I've always had loud vehicles. So maybe that's been my my lucky charm there. But I I don't think that, you know, anything's going to hurt. And if I remember right, they're very inexpensive. I would definitely put them on something if I was running into deer situations. I go about it in a little different light. I like the big ranch hand bumpers. That was my second (laughs) one. Uh, Are they called uh, grill guards? Yes. uh, So you can get a grill guard, brush guard, or you can get a full-blown bumper upgrade that comes with the brush guard. Okay. And then a huge steel, you know, very robust bumper. Uh, I'm a big fan of those personally. So I had a couple questions on okay. that. So is that something you recommend? Oh yeah. Okay. Hands down. So where where does one go to purchase one of those if you if you don't have a vehicle that has one? So a lot of times I order them online okay. um, and I install them obviously on my personal stuff. I really that's not something one doesn't do per se. It's not that we couldn't. It's just not our normal. 
Locally, the only place that I know that uh, sells them and installs them is uh, Safari Off-Road out there in Nixa. Okay. Guy is awesome out there. He's really helped uh, helped me out throughout the years. And he's been around, uh, you know, here in you know Nixa area for many, many years. Fantastic gentleman. Um, you know, really runs a great business out there. I actually, you know, have been into his showroom, and he has a lot of accessories along with a lot of four-wheel drive service work that they do. So what is the typical, and I know this is going to differ on different vehicles, but what's kind of the average price range for one of those? It really depends on how robust you want it to be. So you can get a normal, like, brush guard that utilizes your existing bumper. I'm gonna just ballpark it, so please don't hang me from the highest tree um, if I'm if I'm off. But I should be pretty close, anywhere from six hundred to twelve hundred bucks. Okay, that's not bad for the lighter duty one. Okay, the heavy duty one, like you've seen on my service truck, yes. it is a full blown like means business. They're around eighteen hundred to twenty two hundred, depending on how beefy you want it, and that one is on the upper end of the beefiness. Right now. Um, s- I guess I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this. So can they do more damage than good? So say, okay, and what I mean by that is, say you're going, you're on the highway, you're going highway speed, Mm -hmm. 65, 70, boom, a deer runs out. If you hit the deer, can it actually do more harm than good? Can it push into your vehicle or is it going to stay intact? So that kind of depends on the spectrum of heavy duty that you end up getting. Okay. Um, The lighter duty ones, um, they will bend into, but you're going to annihilate the front end of a vehicle either way. It absorbs as much as it possibly can before it folds into the fenders or hood. The one that's on like my service truck, which is a ranch hand, it is a full bumper replacement with grow guard. It will take a deer at 70 miles an hour and not fold in or fold into the vehicle. So that particular truck, it's probably been about a year ago. Obviously, it sits up its four-wheel drive. So, you know, it's it's going to roll the deer under the vehicle most of the time. Um, I did hit one at probably about 60 miles an hour. There's It didn't phase that brush guard or, or hmm. grill guard at all, and no damage to the truck. Had I had one of my other trucks that doesn't have it on there, it would have annihilated the front end of my truck. So right. yes and no. If you get the lighter duty ones, um, they will fold into your body panels, but not as bad as if you didn't have one at all. The heavier duty ones will take the brunt of it and you won't notice any difference. Do they make them for like every make and model? Not every make and model. Typically your SUVs you will find them for. Okay. Um, So we have uh, Honda Elements in our like family running around grocery getter stuff. They have them for those. And I've been seriously considering putting one on one of our Honda Elements. Um, It's not as heavy duty as the one on my work truck. And then my personal truck, uh, the one-ton dually that I've got, I've, I've bought one for it. And I haven't got it installed yet, so thankfully I haven't hit any deer. But Don't jinx yourself there. I know. There. <laughs> I need to, that needs to be a priority this weekend, I guess, is to get that installed. But I bought it specifically because the front end of any vehicles are so lightweight 
that if you get into something, it's going to be a big high dollar repair. Right. Well, see, I started thinking about this because like I said, it was probably about a year ago whenever I hit the deer in in my car mm-hmm. and it completely just obliterated yeah. the front end of it. And I think it was like six thousand dollars to repair thankfully i have insurance and i've got good insurance so uh they were able to take the brunt of that Mm -hmm. but it was still kind of an eye-opening experience because we see deer all the time and i uh typically work you know kind of the very early morning Mm -hmm. hours when deer start to stir and in fact on my way to work today i noticed there was a big massive blood stain yep. uh on 65 and a deer just mm-hmm. you know three four hundred feet away yep. from it and um you know those are just things that you don't typically expect to happen mm-hmm. and i know with with hunting season you know coming up we're probably going to see a little bit more of that because deer are going to be skittish they're going to yes. be scattering so well, and you know, you kind of got to watch, and you and I talk quite a bit about the weather patterns. Yes, know, that too. That will push them into rut early if mm-hmm. the, you know, weather shifts one way or the other, as well as, you know, you're right, having a lot of, you know, humans out in the woods that aren't normally there will push the deer. But a lot of times, you know, when you look at it, it's it's the rut that's pushing the deer quite a bit, and then they're moving more than normal. Even on my way home last night, and it wasn't even dark yet, there was probably a three or four point spike buck there by my house and I was watching it. And so, you know, essentially laid on the horn to turn the deer away because there was oncoming traffic as well. So just mainly I didn't want him coming into the road, whether I hit him or the next guy hit him, that would have been bad for whoever. Right. Yeah, I would just I had that thought process and then I thought, you know, I wonder if it is worth looking into one of those grill guards. I love them. It makes working on the vehicle more difficult because oh, it's, yeah. it's the standoff and getting in the engine compartment area. I didn't even think of, of that. Stinks. A lot of mechanics, you know, if you'd ask 10 mechanics here, you'd get 10 different answers. Um, it really is a pain in the rear to work on one. And a lot of times we have to remove it to do certain services. Um, but I personally think the juice is worth the squeeze. I would definitely do it. But Sarah and I are up against our first break. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, you got some 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 reading material over I there. do, some printed material, if you will. So actually, during the break, we segued perfectly we into did. this, and people didn't get to hear it. <laughs> so we were talking about just... Um, you mentioned that that grill guard, that mm-hmm. would be a great Christmas oh, gift yeah. for the husband. And I thought that would be. But um, just with everything that's kind of going on, all of the inflation, just mm-hmm. how ridiculous everything is yeah. in the world, we are actually going to be doing kind of a cheaper Christmas this year. We've sure. made ourselves like a little budget of, okay, this is what we're spending on each other. Yeah. And then this is what we're spending on the little one. And then, you know, immediate friends and family mm-hmm. that we buy gifts for. Sure. And uh, we typically do something in that capacity, but we're being pretty strict on it this year. So I get it. That's that's kind of the conversation we had yeah. during break. Now to bring that forward, this article that I have, this is going to be absolutely no surprise to you, mm-hmm. but it's still disheartening heartening. Fox News is reporting that Americans are falling behind on auto loan payments Mm -hmm. at a record pace now. 
And I knew this was something that was going to happen. You had kind of preached yeah. that it was going to happen, but it's officially here, it looks like. Yeah, and I'd say this is the tip of the iceberg at this point. I know. So Fox News says that a growing number of Americans are falling behind on their car payments, an ominous sign for the U.S. economy as high auto prices and stubborn inflation strain household budgets. Mm. Car repossessions tumbled in the early days of the pandemic as the government sent trillions in stimulus money to American homes and businesses. But repossessions have progressively ticked higher as sky high prices for used and new cars alike forced consumers to take out bigger loans. Mm -hmm. In September, the percentage of auto borrowers who were at least 60 days late on their bill rose to 6.11%. That is according to a Fitch ratings report, and that was obtained by Fox Business. That marks the highest default level in nearly three decades. Wow. It is a notable increase from the previous record, which was 5.93%, which happened to be set in January. Wow. Yeah. So the... I mean, it just, and I got more here too. So the, (laughs) yeah, it's like, I I don't have any better news. It's just going to get progressively worse here. So the high number of loan delinquencies has not yet led to an equivalent growth in defaults, according to separate data published by Cox Automotive, although it indicated that loan delinquencies rose for the fifth straight month in September. Defaults actually slid to 9.8% for the month. Still, defaults are 31.7% from the same time one year ago. Wow. 31.7%. That is crazy. Literally took the words out of my mouth. Jinx. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, vehicle repossessions are also expected to climb in the coming months. Uh, Cox Automotive, they are estimating that 1.5 million vehicles will be seized by the end of 2023. And that is up from 1.2 million last year wow isn't that insane so it just sounds crazy now this article ends Mm -hmm. with something else that we've also talked about quite a bit um it says that for many americans rising interest rates and high car prices have pushed their monthly payment over one thousand dollars holy cow for a car that is crazy isn't that insane i could not imagine that kind of a car payment I couldn't either. Now, so the way that the husband and I, we have things kind of set up, I pay both of our vehicle um, car payments, and then he pays the house payment. Sure. And then, you know, occasionally we'll switch on yeah. and off depending on, you know, just what's going on. Yeah, life. And so with both of our vehicles, and we have relatively newer mm-hmm. ones. Nice They vehicles. Thank you. I think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think we are at, well, I'll just add it up here. Stand by it because it's not a thousand. Yeah, it just that amazes me. We pay six ninety a month for two for two vehicles. vehicles. Yes, and there and I should mention they are used vehicles. One is a twenty twelve, but and it's a pickup, mm-hmm. and then the other one is a twenty eighteen, and it's kind of a uh, I think it's considered a crossover so. or like yep. a, a small SUV. Yep. So um, I just couldn't imagine. 
a thousand dollar payment i'm gonna assume and maybe i'm wrong that's probably for new vehicles definitely new um that would probably be if i had to put it in a range and there's a formula and i forget exactly what the formula is but um that should be roughly a fifty thousand dollar or more vehicle to equal a thousand dollars a month so that's got to be a new vehicle or it'd have to be a very well-equipped, high-end, big SUV, luxury pickup truck used in order to get to 1000 a month. Um, I think my, uh, which we bought it used as well, that one ton that uh, we, we have been shopping for for years at this point, I finally found a decent deal. Um, it's about 770 a month for a used one-ton diesel, um, fairly late model, around 100,000 miles. So... It was 36000 if I remember right. So you're going to be in that $50,000 a year range. But do you ever look like when you're driving or in, you know, the parking lots of a big, either like a church event or, you know, at the mall or, you know, wherever you'd see a lot of cars. I don't see a lot of cheap low-end cars or old cars in the parking lots. I don't know if maybe that's just a weird tick of mine, but... You look at most of the cars, even at stoplights, I mean, they're bigger SUVs, they're real late model, and there's a lot of people probably forking over that thousand bucks a month. Right. And it's really sad to hear that there's going to be close to 1.5 million vehicles seized. People are struggling. It is. It's hard out there. It is. And the dollar, you know, we're preaching to the choir. I know the KSGF audience is very well informed. It's just not going as far as it used to. No. And energy prices are going up crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, over the, I don't know if it was over the weekend, but I sent you a, a little YouTube short. Oh, yes. And I just thought it was interesting of, and it was basically a the, the least, I think it was like top five or 10 reliable vehicles out there. And it was really disappointing to see some of those vehicles on that list of, you know, you spend 50 grand for a vehicle and the reliability of it's completely trash. Yeah. I was, I don't know what your thoughts were, but I was kind of a little miffed watching that video. I'm like, if I was one of those people that bought that vehicle and it left me stranded while I was still making a thousand dollar a month payment on that. Right. I would be so upset. Well, and that's kind of how I felt with my Chevy Cruze. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you kind of mentioned that is because... Uh, I think it was the same day, actually, that you sent me that video. Mm-hmm. I saw one of my Facebook friends. They had posted like, hey, does anybody know anybody who works on Chevy Cruises? I'm having this issue. Yeah. And what she was explaining it. And I'm like, that right there, what you are saying, yep. that's the repair uh-huh. that made me get rid of my yeah. car. Because it just kept happening over and over. and Well, not the exact same repair, but mm-hmm. repairs relating to the main yeah. problem. And I was thinking to myself, I paid, I think I paid 13000 for it, mm-hmm. which at the time I was working part-time, I was going to college. And so $13,000, yeah. well, $13,000 to me is still a oh, lot of money. But at the time, that was a lot of money for me and uh, to make the payments, to almost have it completely mm-hmm. paid off and then for it to leave me stranded. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. And what was even more heartbreaking was when I traded it in. I know that car is going right on that lot mm-hmm. 
for probably another thirteen or fourteen thousand yep. dollars, and somebody is going to have to fork yeah. over five or six thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and they're going to have to keep doing it. Well, and for all of our GM um, under a half ton chassis, which would be your Chevy Cruze, Chevy Spark, um, you know, even some of the Buick models, the Enclave, the engineered problems in those vehicles are things no matter how good you are and I, we pulled out all the stops to keep your cruise running i know to and the I, point where you guys did great i should say that it's okay my but i think that validates the point that i'm i'm making here is those were problems that were engineered into the vehicle yes. or lack thereof they didn't refine it enough and even as an aftermarket repair shop we pulled out all the every arsenal that we have um, and it's not just us. I know Chevy technicians, etc. People ask me what vehicles to buy, and I steer them away. And if you have a late model uh, Chevy vehicle, I'm not trying to hate on you by no means. But those vehicles have inherent problems. And as a repair shop, I love fixing cars, but I don't get any joy out of fixing a problem multiple times that was engineered into the car. And they know it, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they keep doing it. That's the that's the sad part. I forget exactly what the term is, but it's basically obsolescence. They have an engineered obsolescence window that they want the vehicle to make it out of warranty so they're not eating the costs, which they will. Those vehicles will make it out of warranty. It's what I consider a disposable vehicle. So you buy a car. They're designed for so many miles, and then they they want them to fail. And if the dealer is so lucky, and I'm not picking on all dealers out there. There are some good dealers out there. But in this instance, anybody that's owned a turbocharged four-cylinder or a V6 GM product here lately, and I'm going to say within the last 10 to 13 years, roughly, depending on the make and model, they're about 150. 20 to 150,000 mile vehicle without major repair costs. And 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 I can pick on some other ones out there, but this one happens to be a very popular one. You know, there's a lot of Chevy Cruises out there. I see them all over the place. They come into the shops. We do a lot of repairs on them. But it's a constant cost of ownership, I guess would be the best way to put it. So even after you get it paid off, you're going to have problems with it. So Sarah and I are down at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to 1041 KSGF. We'll be right back after the break. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back, Sarah Dustin. I don't know what we're talking about today, Sarah. I don't know either. Maybe, like, it's a little gloom and doomy, but maybe this will be some, like, positive spin here. What do you got over there? So, we were talking about that video mm-hmm. that you sent me, and you said, well, he also has a video of the most reliable vehicles mm-hmm. or vehicles that are at least going to get you over 200,000 miles. So, uh, I haven't heard this list yet, okay. so I figured we'd play it. See what he's got to and say. And see what he has to say. Here are the 12 cars proven to get to 200,000 miles or more, according to Consumer Reports. Number 12 is the Honda Pilot. Number 11 is the Honda Civic. Number 10 is the Toyota Tacoma. Number 9 is the Toyota 4Runner. Number 8 is the Toyota Highlander. Number 7 is the Toyota Corolla. <laughs> Number 6 is the Ford F-150. Yeah. Number 5 is the Toyota Sienna. Number 4 is the Toyota Prius. <laughs> Number 3 is the Honda CRV. Number 2 is the 
Honda Accord. And number one, at no surprise, is the Toyota Camry. And the craziest part about this list is that 11 out of the 12 cars on this list are either Hondas or Toyotas. What do you think about this list? Let me know down in the comments below. That is wild. Is that not Okay, insane? so actually, it doesn't surprise me, though, no. because Toyotas are awesome. Yes. In fact, I have... Um, I do like social media work for a local guy. He owns a farm, Two Barty Beef, if you are needing a beef company. Heck yeah. um, but he he does um, just running around constantly because they have several different farms. Oh, okay. And so I was out there doing video work for him a couple weeks ago, and he has a, a Toyota. Mm -hmm. And he said, you haven't seen my little beater truck? And I said, uh you own a Toyota. That's not a beater. And he's like, I've got over 200,000 yeah. miles on this thing. And it just keeps running. Yeah. thought you're going to have that for a while, bud. Absolutely. And so you don't have to take Sarah and I's word for it. That was Consumer Reports. And a lot of times we have people come in for pre-purchase or post-purchase inspections. And that one is a lot tougher we have people that come in and they ask what kind of cars to buy or they call or they text or or whatever the case is and then they don't follow kind of the the formula here and then they buy something and then at the end of it they're like oh my god i can't believe i bought all these problems and i hate that i really do if you'll stick to the formula which it doesn't have to be us does not have to be a1 custom car care Find a trusted mechanic, technician, whatever you want to call yourself, and build a relationship. Don't shop hop all over the place because you'll have zero relationship with anybody. And when you need a vehicle, do the pre-purchase inspection. I, I talked with a gentleman, super nice guy. He went out of state, bought a vehicle, and then brought it in for a post-purchase inspection. And... I hate it, but we found a bunch of things that it needed. Oh, man. He was really frustrated, really upset. He had gone out of state. He had gone down south to buy it, which I encourage as well. But instead of getting inspected there, obviously, I don't have an A1 custom, you know, all over the world, which would be cool, or maybe not, because that'd be a lot to keep up with. But uh, he bought it, brought it in. We found a bunch of work that it needed. The the premise of the pre-purchase inspection is to really to give you some negotiation tactics or power when you're buying a vehicle that you like that fits your bill or it wards off the vehicles that are going to be a hot mess once you buy them. And that's kind of, I think, where a lot of that frustration came from. And, you know, I've been thinking about that gentleman for the last several weeks. And I'm like, man, I, I wish there was something else I could have done. I don't know what that else would have been, but... That's a that's a real hard spot to be in. So I get folks that come in and they stick through it. You and Ryan, uh, you pretty much experienced that. Uh, I know there were vehicles you guys were absolutely in love with. Yep. And I had to dash your hopes and dreams of those vehicles. But... That's okay. You it, saved us like $12,000. Yes, so that, you're a hero. Well, I hate being that guy. It's not fun to be like, hey... This rig is awesome, except it has a catastrophic $12,000 fail. I would rather have that and not own it than have yeah. just purchased it and you tell me that. Yeah. So. And, and, and I, I get that. So we had some friends and family uh, needed a vehicle. They uh, kind of got in a, it was not their fault, but they totaled out uh, their Chevy Cruze, actually. Um, so the insurance took care of them. Mm. Uh, they did not buy another Chevy Cruze. 
I wonder um, why. Well, you know, that one... <laughs> was it you, a good one? Yes and no. I okay. had, I had, I say I, I as in I was involved, but the, the guys had worked through a lot of the problems with it. So mm-hmm. it had been a good rig for them. Okay. Um, but I, uh, if I understood it right, somebody had run into the back of them and totaled it out. So mm-hmm. pretty much put it in the boneyard. But we looked at a couple rigs uh, for them, and one of them was a GM SUV, which I was able to determine through some of the service scan data information that the transmission was on its way out. So that was one that we kind of headed the problem off before it was his. Um, you know, not that we couldn't have put a transmission in, but you don't want to buy a car that the tranny's on its way out. So uh, went into the next one, ended up with, I think, a Lexus, if I'm not mistaken. It had some issues. Um, we were able to identify it before point of purchase and give them some negotiation power, which is really what it is. So now you kind of have a better idea of what you're buying, as well as you can go back to whoever it is, whether it's a private party sale or a dealer, um, and have some negotiation. So you have some money left over to invest in the vehicle to get it up to the standard that it should be. So that's how the process should work. Now I have folks that really love vehicles. They bring them in, I shoot them down, they buy them anyway. And then they're very frustrated afterwards through the repair process because they've typically spent as much as their budget or financing could afford. And then they're trying to scramble and figure out how to do the repairs on it. And in today's day and age, even some simple repairs that 10 years ago were, you know, several hundred dollars are eclipsing that thousand dollar mark for the same repairs not because i've you know charging more per se the cost of the equipment the parts the skilled labor all of that i'm sure i'm speaking to the choir out here is going up what is and i know that this is going to be kind of a a loaded question what is kind of the average price for a typical repair that is a huge question. <laughs> I know. Um, on average. It, it's going to depend on how old and how many miles the vehicle has. So okay. that's obviously going to drive the cost up. Um, I would say average repair across the United States, this is outside A1 Custom Car Care, is probably around $700. Okay. And that is obviously there's going to be ones that are less and ones that are more. But, you know, the, the way it shakes out is probably going to be around that $700 mark. Man. The other part of that is, is how much on the front side, the maintenance has been done. Mm. So I'll give you uh, three different uh, customers and friends of mine that have the exact same truck. They all bought, I think they're 2001 to 2003 F-350s with 7.3 turbo diesels in them. The gentleman that I'm probably closest to, I think he's probably got maybe two, 300,000 miles on it has done a fair amount of towing, campers, et cetera, with this truck, never had to put a transmission in it. Now I have serviced that transmission every 20,000 miles without fail because of what he does with the truck. The other two friends that bought the exact same truck at the exact same time, use it similar, have both put transmissions in their trucks. So it's not, and really from a business standpoint, it's more lucrative to put a transmission in it. But from how I'm wired or how the culture of A1 Custom Car Care is, is if I can prevent with some basic service 
you having to ever put a transmission in your vehicle, I'm going to go that route. I don't know about you guys. Please leave us a comment if you just think that we shouldn't service it and just put transmissions in it. The proof's in the pudding. So we need to step into another break. Sarah and I will wrap this up in a pretty little bow right after this. Through complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Had a little gloom and doom, but a little bit of a uh, silver lining in there. Um, the I hate to say the positive side of all the repossession situation that's coming is if you're looking for a late model, probably fairly low miles used vehicle, it's going to take a while to go through the banks, the repossession portion, um, and then basically be put back out there on the lots. But from the last, you know, three, four plus years where the used lots have been almost barren, Mm -hmm. they are going to be busting at the seams. So the deals... The deals will be out there. And I hate to put it in that silver light that, you know, you may benefit at the expense of somebody else, but that's the reality of the market. You know, if you don't pay your bills, they're going to come take whatever it is that you owe on because you don't own it. The bank does. You you basically rent it from month to month until it's paid off. Um, and I'm in the same boat. I'm making payments on a pickup right now. So uh, hopefully I get that thing paid off and uh, someday it will be mine. It'll be all mine. Kind of. Kind of. I still got to pay property tax. <laughs> That's right. My, my soapbox is going to come out and my hatred for taxes. I taxes. know. I know. Good old taxes. Taxes you to death. You got a video over there? I can, do. Can we so, give a listen to it? So we played last segment mm-hmm. the most reliable mm-hmm. vehicles, but now we have on the flip side the least reliables so vehicles. So would it be to say safe that that was the winner list and this is the loser list? That's right. Okay, so let's listen to the losers. Absolute least reliable cars of 2023. At number eight, we have the 2022 Jeep Gladiator with a reliability score of 21 out of 100. Dang. At number seven, mm-hmm. we have the 2022 Chevy Silverado with a reliability score of 19 out of 100. At number six, we have the Chevy Bolt with a reliability score of 17 out of 100. At number five, we have the 2022 Ford Explorer. Number four, we have the 2022 Nissan Sentra. At number three, we have the 2022 Lincoln Aviator with a reliability score of 8 out of 100. Absolutely terrible. At number 2, we have the Hyundai Kona Electric with a reliability score of a 5 out of 100. And the least reliable vehicle of 2023 is the 2022 Ford F-150 electric truck with a reliability score of 4 out of 100. Well, yeah. what do you think about that? You pretty much hit the nail on the head when I sent you that uh, video that you know, you and I have been talking about hybrid or, or maybe not hybrid, electric EV vehicles mm-hmm. for, I don't know, a, well over a year, and that the technology is not there yet, but the price point is crazy on those. Yeah. So the Ford Lightning, which is all EV electric, is the least reliable vehicle. Yeah. And that vehicle, if I remember right, MSRP was like one oh seven hundred and seven thousand dollars <sighs> Sarah... If you signed on the dotted line for $107,000 and you went out there and it wouldn't move, 
What kind of mood would you be in? I would be absolutely, <laughs> I cannot use the words on the radio, but ticked off. Yeah. I would be so mad. Yeah. And you know, with the reliability of those vehicles, and God forbid, if any of you out there have one of those, I hope you are the exception to the rule here. The resale is going to be abysmal yeah. on those vehicles because now they have a reputation of not being reliable. And if I've got $100,000 wrapped up in an investment, I had better get my money's worth. And you're not getting your money on those. You are beta testing that technology at your expense on those vehicles for those manufacturers. And that is wrong, in my humble opinion. I am not against new vehicles. I love new vehicles. But if I buy a new vehicle, I want it to do what it's advertised to do, which is get me from point A to point B. I want it to last for a while. Yeah. You know, not only just paying it off, but be able to enjoy it mm -hmm. before I'm having to start making major repairs on it. So prior to, you know, I'm going to say the last five years, I had, and I don't want to say I've written off some vehicles, but like, you know, for me or my friends or family, I wasn't going after like vehicles made from 96 to say 06. But I'm seeing a reinsurgence of those vehicles where they're actually, in my opinion, better and what we're doing for our family, friends, fleets, etc. And a lot of you out there that come in are the same mindset. You guys are putting money into those older vehicles that may be 10, 20, 30 years old now because they're better vehicles than the new ones out there. They don't have as many bells and whistles, which... I like bells and whistles, so I like the big screen, the infotainment system, the backup cameras, all that stuff's cool. But I would gladly trade that for something that I can get in and not have to work on all the time, get probably decent to good fuel economy in those, great reliability, and the cost of ownership and repairs is significantly less than a vehicle made from 2015 until present because the reliability and the cost of ownership is absurd on those. So that's kind of at least my advice. If you have one of those out there that you've taken care of it, the maintenance has been on it, protect that vehicle. Try not to let somebody rear end you and take out your truck that you or your car or SUV, van, whatever it is. And I realize that, you know, you can't help if somebody else runs into you, but just be proactive. Be a conscientious uh, operator of your vehicle and try and keep it on the road as long as possible because... If you have to go buy a new vehicle right now, that list really showed us that they are not worth the money that they're getting out of them. Yeah. I hate to say that. Unless it's Toyota. Unless it's Toyota <laughs> or Honda. Honda. I love those vehicles. And that's why they command such a good resale value as well. You know, to the point of what we were talking about with the resale on some of those EV vehicles, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be able to buy those for nothing. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be... You know, from 100000 in 10 years, that'll be like a $3,500 truck, and you'll have to tow it away because it ain't going to be working. But you look at some of these Honda Civics over the years, Toyota Corollas, Camrys. Um, I was traveling here back from Arkansas, and the old Buick LeSabres and Centuries with the oh, uh -huh. 3.8s yeah, in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still see those all over. They get 20-something miles a gallon, rock-solid, dependable. You give them just a little love and maintenance every once in a great while, and they will drive forever. 
I mean, you talk about, I've got a tech who's got, it's a, a Buick uh, Grand Prix, and a Buick, he's going to hang me for saying that, Pontiac, I'm sorry, Pontiac Grand Prix, uh, it's running right at 300000 he drives it every day, he takes trips in it quite often, does it need a few things? Sure, but he's taking immaculate care of that thing, I think he bought it probably in like 02 or 03, so we're talking... 20 plus years, give or take, 300,000 miles with minimal to no breakdowns or major repairs. That's amazing. It's and that's, huge. And that's unheard of yeah. nowadays. You can't get 150,000 without having to put a transmission in something. That is crazy. The transmission epidemic right now is unbelievable. I mean, we're seeing more transmission issues than I've ever seen in the history of you know my time as a professional technician. And it's not getting any better, Hmm. unfortunately. Well, we have a couple of minutes here. Uh, I figured we could switch gears really quick and you could give us a shop update. I am so excited. We got lighting in part of the shop this week. Very nice. And it's great lighting. We put some natural light in there for the technicians as well, because the better you can see, the better quality work you're going to be putting out there. The more you can identify the root cause of the problem, make sure it's taken care of, etc., um, they're doing painting work inside. So once you get to the painting work, you're you're on the the positive side of this thing. They're working on the parking lot right now. And when I leave here today, I am going to see about our lift situation, that when the lifts will be here, when we can get them stalled, kind of a little orchestration there. Um, so excited about the shop. I believe it's beautiful. A lot of the trim work is done. The doors are on. It's secured and dried in. The roof's on. Insulation's done. Sheetrock's done. So we're getting down to the punch list area that, hey, this needs taken care of, this, that. Hopefully the weather holds out so we can get the asphalt work done, be an asphalt parking lot. And, uh, you know, we're shooting before the end of the year to have this thing open and rocking and rolling. That was going to be my next question, if you had an official date yet. It's a little flexible because of the weather right now. So um, we're shooting to take possession of the building probably towards the end of November. So end of the month, first of December, possibly. Um, Then we've got to get our infrastructure in there, our computers, phones, Mm. lifts, air hoses, you know, lighting, uh, receptacles, that kind of stuff um, we're in the midst of now. So kind of the nitty gritty like detail stuff is really where we're at. And then to get the parking lot in there. Very good. Yeah, very exciting. Well, that is very exciting. Mm-hmm. And I hear you guys are getting like a a, a new, um, not like a, one of those new signs that has the, the light yep. bar at the bottom of it. Yep. I hear a photo's going to be on it. I did. I saw the concept drawing. So it'll be a big digital billboard. Nice. And they had the uh, cropped photo of the, the radio show of you and I uh-huh. on it. Um, so you guys will kind of be able to see what's going on. We can change the message up there. If That's it's neat. snow coming or, hey, go Chiefs or, you know, whatever's going on, we can support our local mm-hmm. folks. We'll be able to put up there on the big digital reader board. Well, I feel kind of big league. Yeah, yeah photo's sure. going to be up there. Yeah. Like, my mom's going to be so proud. You'll have to bring her down <laughs> and, and show her. Like, there I am That's on a absolutely. little billboard. Yeah. Hey, you know? I don't know how little it's going to be, Sarah. We may be able to see from a few blocks away. Really? It's going to be big digital billboard sorry about better looking out there guys (laughs) (laughs) all right well um so next week 
I'm looking ahead for yes. our show. So we're in the month of November. So that means that a lot of people are going to start gearing up for the holiday mm-hmm. season and a lot of people are going to start planning trips. So I figured if you're okay with mm-hmm. it, next week we could do um, kind of a road trip show, sure. fall maintenance, yeah. just kind of, you know, make a make a show out of that. Absolutely. And I figured that will give people enough time if they are thinking about actually traveling mm-hmm. this holiday season whether you got friends or family a couple hours away yeah. to get you kind of prepared as we move into that season so that's a little something to look forward to but in the meantime if you are out there in radio land and you have a question or a comment for us feel free to shoot us a text on that text line the phone number for the text line is 417-447-5743 once again that is 447 447- Five seven four three, or you can just reach out to us on social media. That is at one zero four one KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe out there. Bye.